This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that shouldn't have. This is yours truly, Cherry Agarwal and we are back this week with Gaurav Sarkar. Hi Gaurav. Hi. And Ayush Tiwari. Hi Ayush. Hello. You're back from Jharkhand after about, what, 30 days? <laughs> 20 days, Bihar and Jharkhand. खूब घूमा तुमने खूब घूमा कितने मजे किए तुमने बताता हूं पॉडकास्ट शुरू होने दो ओके वी आल्सो हैव विद अस अ नया उभरता सितारा प्राइम टाइम स्टार एंड ट्विटर इन्फ्लुएंसर सोमेश शाह हाय सोमेश आई एम ज्यादा हो गया थोड़ा बट कोई नहीं जर्नलिस्ट सॉरी आई मिस्ड दैट पॉइंट यू शुडंट हैव मिस्ड दैट पॉइंट ओके सोमेश वर्क्स विद बिजनेस स्टैंडर्ड ही कवर्स द लेबर मिनिस्ट्री ही आल्सो कवर्स फाइनेंस एंड बैंकिंग आई राइट ऑन बैंकिंग एंड बैंकिंग एज़ वेल so he's here to talk about the highs and lows of the budget uh, the finance ministry's curb on journalist movement inside the north block okay and we'll also be talking about ayush's jharkhand trip and what happened down there he recently reported on a hindu group uh, attacking muslims Muslim no it was the opposite attack, attacking students correct and uh, Gaurav, what will you be talking about today? Uh, two things. One is a really funny incident about how NCP workers yesterday threw uh, a crate full of crabs at a Maharashtra minister's house because he said that a leakage in the Ratnagiri dam was caused because of crabs yeah. gathering around the dam. Smart. And not because of just structural problems with no, the dam. No, of course not. Usual denial mode. And uh, we will also, guys, be talking about cricket. At least the three of us will. That's the eye roll. That's the eye roll. <laughs> Camera my, should be on cherry. <laughs> to yeah. my disappointment, we'll be talking about cricket. Oh, okay. But Ayush, let's begin with you. Yes. 30 days of chutti. How is it? 20 days of chutti. I had to travel on all kinds of uh, modes of transport and go to the movies. But that's fun, no? It's fun, yes. But it was not chutti. There's no rest <laughs> there. <laughs> Do you understand? But this was like your first actual deep dive reporting from an another state. How was it? How was the experience? What were your learnings? It was not my first, but it was definitely the longest that yeah. I've done till Sorry, now. Sorry, you were in Bhopal before this. Yes, Bhopal, hmm. Arigarh, etc. Uh, it was, what's that expression? The scales falling off your eyes. It was one of those experiences where what you've read about life in India, especially in you know the kind of life that exists outside the urban middle hmm. class space. You've read about, you read about it a lot, but it was an experience where you go and actually see it happening hmm. and that's uh, i think what you read about life in india is basically very metrocentric very delhi centric right. if i can say so but somesh let me bring you and gaurav into this conversation you've reported and you've also traveled a lot so what do you guys think is it true when it comes to reportage in the media that it's delhi centric and when you actually go out and report the reality is quite different yeah that's uh quite true i mean um, and that's also true because the kind of impact that uh, i mean the first thing that um, any media organization does is that they try to cut it co- cut its costs through uh, shutting down regional bureaus okay. and that has an impact on the, the reportage that goes uh, in these areas in these cities in these villages because then the diversity and perspectives yes. that come from the exactly. ground exactly and, no and, and and many media organizations are now consolidating themselves and then they have the centers mainly in Delhi, Bombay, mm. Bangalore and all these centers. So that's one thing. And and because of const, uh, those strains on finances, people are not also encouraged to go out and report. Correct. So that is one thing which is actually a worrying trend for us. Gaurav? So yeah, the reality on the ground is different when you go out and report from there than mm. uh, when you report in the city. And uh, we were just talking about this outside that at least when you're away for a long stint, you know, like how Ayush was right now for 20 days and the second mm. leg of your stint was impromptu, right? It came up yeah, when yeah. you were already reporting on a story, then you had to go. Yeah. So then there's a no-nonsense kind of mentality because you don't have to like do archaic stuff, you know? You mm. have to just report, report and you're in that space. So the reports also come out so much more meaningful and you mm. get a deeper insight into what you're actually doing than just... But I also want to know the kind of stuff that doesn't make it to the report. What's the fun bit? What are you doing when you're not reporting? Instagram Exactly, oh. which is what you should tell our Instagram viewers. What is it that did not make into your copy? Something fun, something food. that you'll remember. Food, food, food. Food? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, what's the best dish that you've had and you wish you could go back there to report just ah. for that food? 
I mean, I mean, I went to Bihar for covering the elections, mm-hmm. and the food out there, like anywhere you go, I mean, the local food, the liti chokas, and and oh those. Oh God, I miss liti. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, that is something you cannot put in your copies. I but, usually you know, eat all of this. Obviously, I had I had dehati chicken. <laughs> and मतलब उसका for fifty percent reason ये था क्योंकि उसका नाम this the hearty chicken I thought wow this is the kind of thing you won't get in Delhi huh. or even in Patna because you know hmm. that's an urban space so I had that and it was yeah that rustic beauty of the cuisine in the hinterlands is just amazing okay. very true do you have any such experience that you haven't put uh, in the copy surprisingly my favorite food is still from maharashtra in like the rural parts Vada pao. misal pav misal okay. pav is misal pav i somehow is don't like the taste of misal pav i just don't get it why will you put that thing Farsan in type yeah thing. why that would you put that in the liquid because it's crunchy yeah it, it doesn't it's not crunchy anymore once you put that in that liquidy thing to usko soak thodi na karte hai aise you put it on top and then uh, it's with the pav it's okay. true i'm on your side when you with, with your dislike of marathi cuisine i i've been in pune I for 4 years i don't dislike marathi, marathi cuisine target cuisine. Yeah. Haan, so i don't marathi dislike marathi cuisine, cuisine. that's pao. actually nice misal pav is the one that just stands oh. out i'll attack marathi cuisine i'm not a fan at all cuisine attack kar rahe aaj ka i can defend Listen, myself by the way if you want to take this argument further if simply Allah, didn't give, give you good food we know that you've seen a lot of attack But I mean, <laughs> but you, this is you studied in no, Pune and no, all. No, no one shot me with a vada pav. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just because Simbi didn't give you good food doesn't mean that you attack Marathi cuisine. It's not about Come Simbi. On. When I go to Pune, I didn't. I wasn't jailed inside my college. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually venture out. But the thing is, it's not, and there are reasons for it. But. people marathi people have realized uh, can't come to face with their own reality so but yeah that's a different but okay. since you asked was the the kind of things you don't see in the reports is the actually the smoke breaks and the chai breaks and all of that that i see here also when you guys step out you're literally <laughs> yeah. outside but see smoking. We, we are colleagues and we know each other so mm. that we have a chemistry but when you're out there and for example when i was in uh, muzaffarpur and i went to that hospital where the kids were dying and personally i was very i was very frustrated so when i went out for a smoke i actually bought two smokes <laughs> i found a guy who was driving people from outside and i mm-hmm. gave him one and i just smoked with him and we talked about it and it just took out all my frustration he took out his frustration and there was a connect so those things don't make it to the copy but there are mm-hmm. moments when there are and these are powerful stories i think this yeah. is where uh, we should be doing a reporter's diary and talking about like what is it that shaped your story yeah why not that's a good idea but let's move to budget the highs and lows of it sumesh back to you what was the highlight of the budget what did you think of nirmala sitaraman's budget speech there were no allocation numbers during the speech she said they were there in the annexures so what are your thoughts on yeah, that yeah i mean this was very surprising she did not quite talk about the state of the economy which she she which she should have ideally because of the controversy surrounding it the gdp numbers have been questioned mm. and uh, also there has been a lot of talk about lack of jobs in the economy and despite and, uh, and, and despite all that the fiscal deficit numbers were also like briefly discussed hmm. i mean those are really important uh, issues which is always starts that touched upon by all the fms in their budget speech which was missing uh, quite a bit and the budget uh, is actually the government's expenses how yeah. the government will find that funding to sort of pay for these expenses and that wasn't mentioned in the speech which sort of stands out as a very sore thumb no? yeah certainly and uh, and even the numbers when when everybody looked at it i mean there were some uh, surprises which we found i mean um, i mean for instance there's been talk about this missing 1.7 lakh crore uh, rupees <laughs> the in the NDTV budget report. Yeah, yeah, the NDTV report, and um, you know the the fact of the matter is that the figures that were there in the eco survey, which was presented the day before, and the budget were not matching. I mean, and the difference is quite a lot. Like one point mm. seven lakh crore is a huge sum. So, I mean, the the reason why this happened was that the revenue estimates that the budget uh, took. was from the revised estimates and this is just a projection which the government makes correct and this was different from the actual uh, numbers which came and which were already released in uh, later part of the may mm-hmm. uh, which the eco survey took and that's where the difference is of what this 1.7 so lakh so the government's crore. economic survey actually states that the revenues that they currently have is lower than the projections that the government made, made a month later y- almost a month later yes yes uh, i mean the eco survey mm-hmm. had mentioned about 
the revenue collection at uh, 13.16 lakh crore whereas the budget had mentioned at 14.84 lakh crore so, so a difference of 1.7 lakh crore correct. So, so. and then there was also something about the government the in the budget speech so nirmala sitaraman in her speech said that there are uh, PA, um, banks are struggling with a lot of non performing assets and they are going to be recapitalizing these psus but would this recapitalization help the banks overcome all the non performing assets i see ayush is shaking his head yeah i uh, actually just so me should speak on it because i mm. don't have much expertise but i have some views but you sure. go ahead first uh so they've allocated 70000 crore uh, 70000 crore rupees for towards recapitalizing Correct. the public sector banks i mean uh we cannot say that they, the recapitalization is not required at all but what is also required along with the recapitalization or in a way pumping money into the public sector banks is a larger set of reforms Correct. i mean because uh, it is just like throwing good money after bad i mean you keep recapitalizing them and there is no end to it i mean mm. your ownership just keeps going up and then the larger issue is the organizational reform which is required in the public sector banks i mean they have to act like a private sector bank there should be a level playing field mm. which doesn't happen at all okay. and the government always you know keeps pumping money without even applying their head on what they want to do next so ayush you wanted to come in on exactly. this exactly i mean look it's the way they pump money to sustain it's almost like a falling building and you're putting up pillars on the ground floor mm. and the, those pillars are very costly and you're just putting the building together when there should be actually infrastructural you know changes throughout the building or actually the way you build buildings should be also be changed mm. But just pumping money—it's almost like you know someone who's in coma and does not will not survive, and you're hmm. taking oxygen and just putting it on. I'm not a big fan, and I was—I follow some people who have you know rather you can say right-wing economic views, but libertarian views, who are also not in favor of doing this step because that money is. actually the the state that the economy is that money could be put to better use or if you are really for reform which i don't think they are you can use that money for in those aspects but it's, it's not puzzling. just about better use but it all it is also about the credibility that india holds if it continues to recapitalize its bank again right. banks again and again right you and i and I, i don't know for a fact that our principal economic advisor mr sanyal I, i mean i've read his books even before he got into this position and he doesn't support all these things hmm. and even people within the niti ayog who also have these libertarian views on economics but uh, it's really a question of the chemistry that the government has with its own economic advisors which uh, will let us know how much of their voices actually heard in the prime minister's council hmm. or in the finance ministry Somish, I think you have something? to professionalize the boards of the public sector banks mm. and keep an arms length distance from running the banks actually I mean that is one way of looking at it I mean if you do that if you bring that structural change then you in the long run you will not mm. be required to pump in so much money into these banks and even shedding some stake in these banks would is also not a bad idea i mean mm. i'm not saying completely privatize those banks but Correct. you know we have 18 public sector banks i mean do we really need 18 public sector banks i that's a questionable i mean i wouldn't i can't really comment on the number of banks but i definitely am in favor of reforming these banks yeah. in a way that so much npa is not created they are able to get back the loans that they are delivering just their productivity increases korav do you want to come in on any of this um i actually wanted to talk about the corporate tax rate which they mentioned this time so a uh, 25% corporate tax will be implemented i think before this it would have it was implemented on all companies that have a turnover of less than 250 crores mm. now it's less than 400 crores so a tweet from the ministry of finance said that this tax of 25% on companies who have a turnover of more than 400 crores it includes 99.3% of all companies there's a tweet that says that my question is is only 0.07% of all companies making a turnover of more than 400 crores because that number seems really really small like it's it's a drastically small number of our companies to be making over 400 crores 0.07% yeah i think there there's no there would be no discrepancy on that i mean there are really less companies which i mean because most are the most the biggest chunk of economy is run by the msmes the medium hmm. small and uh, small and medium enterprises mainly so i mean uh, their turnover wouldn't be so much that they uh, uh, fall above that bracket so i think so 0.07% uh, as a number stands uh, yeah, it's it's pretty I, much correct i think nobody has kind of disputed it yet but i have to really see the number okay. do you see those numbers in details okay. myself, also so. they they're calling it the budget of hope is it a budget of hope 
by any chance a budget of hope i mean in one uh, only in one sense i would call it i mean because the fiscal deficit that they uh, mm-hmm. that uh, the the shortfall in between the expenditure and the revenue of the government the fiscal deficit target has been reduced for the next year and which is a good move i mean because uh, at the moment it's a projection yeah it's a projection i mean it's a He's projection the target has been reduced but, but, but is it realistic but it's a target yeah exactly so it, is it a realistic target i mean uh, looking at the present financial year they really maintained at 3.4% of the fiscal deficit so i mean we hope that it's realistic but the good point is that the government is targeting it because uh, there was a lot of demand from the industry that we need money and mm-hmm. government needs to spend money and and loosen its purse mm-hmm. but i which think they have which would have increased the deficit which would have increased the deficit yeah but the government has not relented to those demands so guys what do you think about the government taxing the super rich gorav let's begin with you well i don't think i'm economically well versed to have an opinion on this but uh, there are other countries who have taxed super rich before hmm. and uh, i can see why it wouldn't play out well in the indian scenario obviously because everyone just wants to cry all the time and especially when it comes to economics which is something personally which i think is very intangible and we give a lot of importance to uh, because it's all just numbers at the end of it and none of them ever check out you know ever but uh, the rich do need to be taxed for for it to be like a fair system that is a personal opinion that doesn't come from any sort of economic education or background that i have but uh, taxing the super rich will eventually be a good move because i think it will lead to a level playing field ayush well it's the taxing the rich is one of those instinctive things you know even if you don't have in economic education is such instinctively are always in favor of taxing the rich because obviously the the rich and you know the the huge money that they make the share of it should go into the economy but i don't know there are good arguments the, the best argument against taxing the rich is that if you tax them then the economic activity and the participation of foreign players into your economy reduces mm. because you're taxing them so much they might as well go to another country where there are lower taxes mm. i've thought the logic of the market and that instinct i was talking about are at very dense but again like gorav i can't claim to have any expertise on this but i tend to edge towards the logic of the market you shouldn't tax them too much also but you should okay. it, that doesn't mean you shouldn't tax them at all so mesh yeah i kind of agree to his view that the tax shouldn't be too big but uh, what i mean my perspective on this would be the center did a very smart job i mean what they did is that they imposed only a surcharge on the super rich so while you do that you don't have to share that amount with the states but if you tax the super rich then you have to kind of share that money in some portion of it with the states so in a way when you're just imposing a surcharge you're just keeping all the money with to yourself hmm. i mean and where is this cooperative federalism that you keep talking about so i think that needs to be also factored in so how many of you have super rich friends i only have ayush man yeah <laughs> i don't know anyone at all i'm filthy only. rich <laughs> how about you let me some my, money my, my, how come we didn't ask cherry her opinion on what is uh, with the super rich it is well mm. you on that side of the table yes socialist stink what is your view on it what are you saying something <laughs> <laughs> but i do want to move away from this topic because we've spent about 20 minutes on this and i want to go to maharashtra what was that minister talking about a dam breach because of crabs what was his logic um okay let's rewind to last week first okay. uh, bombay has been bombay has been drowning as usual as what happens yeah. this time of the year and there were 18 people who died when there was a leak in the ratnagiri dam uh this happened on july 2nd if i'm not wrong there there are videos which are pretty disturbing that show people flowing into the water you know it's it's as disturbing as that agra bus accident video that just came out but uh, one day after that one of the maharashtra ministers called mr uh, called tanaji sawant hmm. he came out and he gave a quote to ani saying that there were a bunch of crabs that accumulated around the wall of the dam which caused a leakage and a seepage to happen through the dam because of which these people died first of all i don't see why this needs to be reported because it's a bullshit statement to make like it's completely clickbait there's no there's no value to that statement and your minister sure we used to ministers talking smack now what happens after that is even funnier is okay you get trolled etc etc but yesterday which is on wednesday ncp workers landed up outside his house with like a crate full of crabs and uh, they threw it at him in protest which they left it outside his office i saw the video it, uh, yeah outside his office in protesting that mm. you know that is a real because you don't want to own up to the fact that people have actually died because you'll have to then give a reason saying that okay maybe because reports do say audit reports say that there was a that this, there was a structural problem in the dam itself which is very old 
So you mm. should have probably got that fixed instead of saying that marine life has come and screwed up your dam over there because of which people have died. So if there was an audit report beforehand, why wasn't the dam fixed or why wasn't the problems in the dam addressed? Publications, publications, a lot of publications reported that there were several complaints made to local leaders as well saying mm. that, uh, you know, there has been a problem with the dam and there was an ongoing work right next to the dam which is where the workers were. Mm. So if you're... If you're not structurally strong and sound on the wall itself, you shouldn't be deploying people there to work in the first place. If you're deploying and it's caused loss of human life, then you don't come out and say it's happened due to crabs. So A, completely over-reported, unfairly reported because it shouldn't have been a part of the news cycle at all. Hmm. And uh, yeah, let's hope one to crabs get this guy uh, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, more power to the people and the creative ways in which they come out with protest. I think that's a due. I remember when um, there was a drought in Tamil Nadu a couple of years mm. ago and the farmers had showed up in Delhi. The way they were protesting against because a lot of their own you know neighbors had died mm -hmm. because of the drought. And they had rats in their mouths and they carried the skulls of the mm. dead. And the farmers so had put it out very clearly that the reason yes. they were doing that is because their pleas were just falling on deaf ears and the government right. was literally doing nothing to address the problems they were facing. Right, but it's the, it's one of one of the ways of sending out a message of why would media report on this? I'm sure they've reported on the, the crab throwing incident. Yeah. If they had just gone in front of the house and put a dharna, that might, uh, might not have made it to the newspapers. But I'll tell you the difference between the reportage of the two events. When farmers did that, then it sort of brought attention on the agricultural crisis that India was facing. There were offshoots and there were reports on the actual issue and not just about farmers, you know, putting up a protest like this. When it comes to the crab incident, it's just limited to the crab incident. I have barely read a report that spoke about the structural problems that the dam was facing. Why didn't the media cover that before this actually happened? Yeah. You know, in fact, I feel that the whole post-election news cycle has been very clickbaity in general. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but the last, mm. the last couple of three weeks, three and a half weeks, have it's been a really toxic and clickbaity news cycle, is what I personally feel. I don't think I have a general comment on that where I would broad brush the entire coverage. But Sumesh, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah. I mean, one thing is certain that we hear less of our Prime Minister speaking at And rally. that's really ah. saying something because he never said much to begin with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's what I could only figure out in the post-election time. But hey, we know how many times he clapped during the budget. Oh, wow. Oh, so. <laughs> wow. 86. Oh, God. I've got I it tattooed on my back. <laughs> and how the camera pans to him, right? During the speech yeah. when like whatever strange you should uh, viewers uh, should watch nuisance for that clip that Manisha has done <laughs> absolutely mm -hmm. yeah. watch it you'll get to know how many times the Prime Minister clapped during Nirmala Sitaraman's budget speech so Ayush when you were in Jharkhand were you also listening to Nirmala Sitaraman give her speech not really I wasn't but you were still watching the cricket match that was happening I was watching uh. I was keeping up with the matches yes because and you were not keeping up with the first full time female minister finance minister giving her first just speech just say no ha, straight speech. up no no I wasn't. <laughs> that just speaks to why we just have male panelists here. Right. Because we, we haven't elected anyone. Just uh, let us know when you're done attacking us. Okay? Yeah. Then, we'll, then we'll respond. But coming back to your Jharkhand trip, hmm. tell us the stories that you covered. What has been really underreported? Why that region particularly? So, uh, one of the things I realized about the media and their reporting in Jharkhand, especially in the last couple of years, is that uh, the... Obviously, the, this lynching phenomena has been on the rise throughout the country. It's happening mm -hmm. everywhere. But this concentration of most of the cases have come from Jharkhand. And these are not just lynching. They don't include child, that uh, that hysteria about the WhatsApp child kidnapping thing, which also happened in Jharkhand, by the way. But communal mob violence, that is someone being lynched because they belong to a certain faith. Starting May to March 2016 till now, there have been 15 instances of such lynchings and people have been injured. In Jharkhand alone? Yes. Uh, 15 victims have been of people of the minority community and the mob has been, you know, in, I think in 99% cases, have been they have been lynched because they were suspected of carrying beef or suspected of, you know, slaughtering a cow. So, all these cases were reported when they did happen. But when in I the local paper, we're talking no, about no, the mainstream. Delhi, mm. They reached Indian Express actually. If you look at the hate tracker that India Spend has, so they have they provide links for every incident the mainstream media house which covered it. So eighty percent of all those links come from Indian Express. So they did cover it, but the problem is that 
the lynchings happen people die FIRs are filed but the cases go on in the local courts so you the media should ideally keep up with what's the development on each one of, in each of these cases for example there was reporting on how when there was a guy who was lynched in the middle of a market in Ramgarh district Jharkhand mm. there was a when the judgment came out 11 of them were convicted there was a reporting on that but 10 of those 11 are currently out on bail and for very you know sus- suspicious reasons those things haven't been reported so I think I'll just connect this to what Somesh was saying earlier. This is why the this sort of underlines the importance of bureaus and regional offices. Exactly. And why we need them because only then such follow-ups are possible. Right. And I think Express has people in Ranchi which is what makes them easier to, you know, report on these cases. But again, even if you have bureaus the follow-up thing is also, you know, one factor that needs to be kept on because mm-hmm. a lot of times in the trials there are things that come out which should be always be reported hmm. that is you know for example as a person was attacked by a mob uh, days before eid and he's currently in hiding he was almost lynched and when the trial was going on his wife who was going home to get one of the ids died on the way in an accident so these things don't make it to the mainstream media this is the usman ansari case that happened in june 2017 so that and that's been heavily reported by all mainstream bureaus but these little nitty gritties of how did she die why did she die on the day of the trial and she was a witness because she was in the house they they don't make it um, you know to delhi so that's what i realized since you asked me and i'll be doing a report on the follow up on where these cases are um, mm. in in a couple of days i uh, also want to ask you this question you know this this argument keeps coming up that the media doesn't cover incidences where the victims are hindus where the attackers are muslims is that true do you find any merit to that and i would like somesh and gorov to come in on this well it's a controversial question but i'll give you a controversial answer it's true that when hindu people from the hindu community are lynched by someone a mob that is that belongs to the muslim faith things don't make it to the mainstream media but the logic of it is when i you know realize and i talk to people it's because the hindus are a majority community and in any d- democracy and especially a democracy that calls itself a secular republic the majority has the responsibility of making sure that the minorities feel protected e- at least politically and even socially so it is that it's that logic that is that is that is at work when mm-hmm. people shy away from reporting on these incidents but to be honest there's not a trend a targeted trend of muslim mobs hin- lynching hindus for a larger overarching reason does not exist as such but the lynching of muslims by hindu mobs there's there is an overarching reason and that's been there's a politically majoritarian government there is a beef hysteria mm. there are cattle groups operating there are saffron groups you know spreading very fast on the ground as mm. i saw in jharkhand so and that's this why. is exactly what the critics say is because of media's reportage that mm. they focus on some incidences more and some not as well yeah. much but i will come back to you with another question i think somesh wants to come in on this yeah i think the uh, what happens really is that the media and the press also latches upon this trend the trends that are happening and and there's a clear trend of as as he has pointed out that uh, uh, you know uh, that there's a clear trend of attack on the minority group and having said that uh, there should be uh, i mean it should be really clear that uh, even the uh, majority community if they are facing such distress should be reported in the mainstream and uh, even in the regional newspapers uh, there should be no doubt doubt about that but but there's a clear trend that we see about the hatred against the minority section and that has to be reported widely i agree with you i mean whichever community it is there should be reportage but i wanted to ask maybe the reports this is a hypothesis i'm putting out there and all three of you please feel free to weigh in maybe the reports about attacks on the majority community are lesser in number because the attacks the number of attacks are lesser the number of incidents are lesser re- i've actually struggled with that question but to be honest there's no way of telling the count of how many attacks happen from which community to which community because certain times even when media houses local media houses and i noticed that the people who like to point out attacks on hindu communities by muslims usually fall back on the local media and they find it from jagran or baskar mm. sometimes even their reporting is not the you know the fairest reporting on these matters but as i said there are very local isolated issues hmm. 
in Jharkhand, the 15 cases I talked about, I can connect all of them to cow protection. Hmm. And I can show you reports and I can prove that they were all related to an overarching reason. But I can't do that for the incidents I reported on. For example, the Ranchi bus attack that I reported on where a Muslim mob attacked a bunch of students. Hmm. So uh, that is there. And just a small additional point is that, again, on the people who like to focus on and who complain about media not reporting on attacks on Hindu community, are, I've often noticed do it out of bad faith and some personal you know, reasons that speaks more about themselves than about what's going on in society. It's what just, do you mean by bad faith? I Because I've noticed they complain about this and then they go on to bedevil that community which happens in most of the cases and happens online by some journalists with certain publications. So that's my view on it. Mm, which you very didn't solicit. personal view. Yeah. <laughs> and I will leave it there. Gaurav, Sumesh, if you guys want to comment um, on this. I want to make a completely different point about how, you know, we spoke about bureaus cutting down on their regional reporters, their regional mm. spaces that they report from. Uh, it's, it's actually no surprise right now that the entire media fraternity is going through a major crunch, you know, like there are barely any jobs anywhere. And we're not only talking about editorial, we're talking about like cameramen, we're talking about photographers, etc. So it does make sense to shut down regional bureaus. Having said that, I don't think there is a certain trend of the attacks happening on the majority community. I don't think those are being hidden or those are being misreported. I just don't think there are any statistics, as Ayush said. There is no perfect trend to say that attacks are as compared to this. So unless we get that number, unless we get something concrete on that ground, it'll be tough to like paint a broader picture. Let me give you an example. One of a certain right-wing Twitter influencers, male, not female. Your Twitter alter ego is very hectic. They, 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 that person maintains a list of all mob violence on uh, Hindu by Muslim uh, mobs. Okay. And I was just going through one of it and he you know, tweeted one uh, whole d- data sheet out. And I just checked one incident, which he claimed was a mob, Muslim mob on a Hindu guy. Mm-hmm. It was actually not a mob at all. It was one man attacking his wife before because that wife voted for BJP. There was no mob. There was just one person. And he had put it under a mob lynching, mob violence incident. So these are the kind of people who operate on Twitter and who have a following of very suspicious uh, trolls. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's questionable. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Moving on from this topic to what is happening in the finance ministry, Somesh? What did you guys do? Why is Nirmala Sitaraman just like... I'm listening to the demands of the reporters. So, I mean, there was no trigger at all. What really happened is, I'll run you through the background. Uh, when there, there is the, in the preparation of the uh, budget, there's a quarantine on entry of uh, a PIB holders or, or a card that, uh, the accreditation that is given to journalists by the government. Hmm. There's a bar on them to enter the ministry without any appointments. Uh, so this is when the budget when, preparations when, when are going, is going on. on. Yeah, exactly. So when and uh, why when is I, this the case? Why do they quarantine journalists? Because they want to keep it as a very secretive exercise. Uh, budget okay. being a secret exercise, they want to do it like that. And just before a few days before the budget, uh, they call it the halwa ceremony. What did uh, basically uh, after that? Uh, there are a set of officials who stay within the ministry and they don't move out. I mean, uh, who who are the people really directly involved in mm. the printing of the budget and all that. So um, that is another set of quarantine which is imposed uh, during the budget period. Mm. Once the budget is presented in the parliament, uh, immediately this quarantine is lifted on okay. journalists, on general public. Anybody can enter the North mm. Block where the finance ministry is. But on Monday when we tried to enter the finance ministry because we had um, a dozen of questions in our head regarding the budget and we needed... Uh, lots of clarity on it and these are the clarity which uh, the general public is demanding or the industry is demanding it's not something which has come out in our head I mean just it's based from on the speech that was given and the documents that were exactly, presented by exactly. the government true true so uh, and then, then while entering the North Block, we were told that, you know, this quarantine, they haven't received the order. The security people told us that they haven't received the orders to lift the quarantine. So we thought that there's a delay in this order coming. But uh, later on in the day, we were informed that it was a conscious decision taken by the FM, uh, Nirmal Sitaraman, who said that this practice of quarantine, which was imposed during the budget period, would continue. And the journalists, if they want to enter the North Block, they have to seek appointments. And mm-hmm. there's no other way they can, uh, you know, enter the building. So this happened i mean there's there was no trigger specifically but mm-hmm. what she informed what we what i got to know she informed the officials is that 
she liked the uh, way the north blocks was, was functioning and apparently it was functioning very smoothly during the budget days as if i don't know we caused some disruption to their work or something so i don't really know why this happened i mean so there's no clear explanation what is the problem with her barring journals Looks, and it's not like she's barring journalists. She's saying, Ki, take an appointment and then come inside. You're saying what's the problem in taking an appointment and going inside? Yeah. Ah, so so uh, the problem lies uh, here. So if you want to meet an official, right? And uh, there are times you would not only want to meet a secretary within the ministry who, who is authorized to seek, speak to the media, but you would want to meet all levels of officials because not every time every information would come out from the secretary's office or the joint secretary's office. And those people are not uh, at all authorized to speak to media. So the moment you seek an appointment to them, they have to inform the reception. And then while you are entering the building, uh, everybody keeps, I mean, you are being tracked that, you know, you're going to the ministry and you're meeting this specific official. And there are whistleblowers in the ministry, in, in the power corridors, who would want to give some sen- sensitive information. For example, the NSSO report that we did. I mean, it, it was something which was, I mean, were not supposed to be out. I mean, because it was not officially released. But we got a hold, or we got hold of it because of, a whistleblower uh, within the power corridors. I mean, I don't think that would have been possible if there was some restriction or, uh, on our entry to the government offices and all that. Mm-hmm. So this is really important. I mean, my point being that if you have issued these PIB cards, you just allow them to enter or you just, uh, you know, uh, do away with the system. You cannot be in the mm-hmm. middle of it. Ayush Kaurav, no, any comments I think comments that's a very that? valid point because the first thing that came to my head was the NSSO report, you know, which, which you'd broken that time. And there's a problem with having your name on paper saying, I've come here to meet this, this, this person. You don't want to have that all the time because then even that person who you're supposed to go there to meet will be a little hesitant to give you information that he otherwise would have given you off the record, which could have eventually led you to a story. Having said that, I don't know if I'm out of place in saying this, but I think it was a little, it's a little ballsy on part of a new prime minister or, or on the part of a new finance minister to straight away just quarantine journalists like this. Has this ever happened with the finance ministry before with business journalists? With finance uh, journalists? During, uh, I heard, I mean, I have not reported during the UPA era, but I've heard that P. Chidambaram was someone who was, uh, who had also imposed some restrictions on the entry of journalists, but it was for a limited period of time. But it was there. It was there. It's not as if she's the first FM to do it. Mm. But yeah, she's the first FM to bar journalists with who hold a PIB, PIB card. Yeah, the accredited journalists. Also, we are hearing now that uh, there might be a possibility of there'll be a certain change and she'll hold daily briefings or something like that. Is that a possibility? So I was coming to the meeting that Nirmala Sitaraman had with a few senior journalists. What happened at the meeting? So yeah, so uh, so a day after the current, uh, this happened when we were not allowed to enter, she met few of the senior editors in the industry, which was supposed to be an off-the-record meeting, by the way. In the meeting, she apparently told these senior editors that, you know, she's very adamant in her stance and she wouldn't allow this practice to go on and uh, she even told some of them that she would even she's even willing to fight this out in the court and what yeah exactly that's what she said and okay wait let me call out the irony here she is okay holding an off the record meeting but she is not okay people going inside and having off the record conversations with P officials yeah so and after this off the record briefing there was a photo which was put out of journalists which was unfair on their part to put it out because they themselves said it's an off the record briefing no but we were not Sita Raman tweeted it out Sita Raman's handle tweeted it out herself that's it's not the saying, reporters yeah. yes that's the oh. grouse I mean if it's off the record it's off the record right you don't put out a photo of an off the record meeting right and I mean that's journalists what we thought. had held their end of the bargain by it, not putting out the information because it was an off-the-record meeting. Exactly, exactly. And there was a statement put out that, you know, I met journalists and this is what has happened and there's a new st- set of practice we are putting in. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. we Which were includes re- a daily briefing from Sita Raman. Yeah. So, by the way, th- this was not written in the statement that she put out. She mm-hmm. only promised in that off-the-record briefing, by the way, that there can be a daily briefing, the scope of a daily briefing. But I don't think that uh, a finance minister can hold a daily briefing of journalists and that is how it happens. And this will also centralize the power center in, in some yeah. sense. I mean, and you'll never be able to get cracker stories if you're yeah. just depending on, uh, you know, daily briefings. Exactly. All your papers will carry exactly the same report. And exactly. uh, I, I felt very instantly eerie when I read that she had blocked mm. access because when I reported the story on the Balakot airstrikes that she had given mm. out the numbers, the 300 yeah. figure for the to the press, she had spread that information and I got that information because there were certain journalists who had off the record meetings with her in the North Block in the finance ministry. 
and therefore it that story came out and then reading that she's quarantined in the finance ministry was just you know this made me feel rather <laughs> uneasy so that kind of story one will not be able to do mm-hmm. you know if these things come in so where do the reporters and journalists stand now there was a meeting with a bunch of reporters yeah, about 40 we, reporters exactly we are meeting on a daily basis oh. we met on wednesday uh, all all the journalists we met in, in the press club and uh, it was an informal meeting of sorts uh, but we were really united in our stance uh, to say that you know we'll oppose this idea of a daily briefing in fact uh, we also would ha- will be demanding and we have written to the editors guild we have reached out to other agencies like the press council of india and the press club of india so there are statements coming out around demands are uh, the restoration of pre quarantine status for journalists then uh, free access in the ministry for pib accredited journalists as was the practice before and uh, we need a proper room for journalists who are covering the ministry inside the not block and not outside it as has been temporarily provided to us mm. I mean we don't want free tea coffees and all that please I mean that's not what we want we really want information and that's why we are inside the ministry and nothing else and we are even willing to spread it out if you don't want to provide a, a separate room for us uh, to wait while we meet our sources mm-hmm. that's also fine but we want to ensure that the practice which was con- continuing in so long should should you know remain i mean i think my it. only concern in all this was we all touched upon it i think but stories it's not about getting a cracker of a story but it is about sort of putting breaks on stories that would be in public interest that otherwise wouldn't come out through official channels which is a cracker story right but um, the thing is if it's if she's the if she sets a precedent like this it's natural and completely you know i'll be expecting this other ministry ministries to do this as well mm-hmm. i mean what's stopping them if nirmala succeeds and the worst of it comes true if she wins this in court <laughs> then i don't think it will go to court i hope yeah, it does i don't think even i don't think we w- would want to resolve it out of the court i mean i mean there's no way we are taking to court i mean even if you put that restriction it's not as if the information wouldn't come out but it's just that uh, we don't like this idea of pushing the boundaries on I mean, a different note it would be great to see how it played out in court though yeah like just yeah, to see how it played out yeah of course you love courts yeah, you go there for Thanks, uh, having Thanks. samosa and cold drinks so you- court ke andar samosa cold drink ek kaun sa court hai Uh, but i just want to go around ask the panel quickly what are your thoughts on what was underreported and overreported somesh anything from the budget that particularly stood out to you that you thought the media missed i think uh, not missed but underreported certainly the 10% hike on the custom duties on newsprint mm-hmm. i mean since we've all already discussed about uh, how there's a financial strain on on uh, media houses and they're cutting down on the regional bureaus this is again going to impact that that move mm-hmm. so uh, the fact that we mostly import the newsprint and there is no uh, domestic production of it like barely there is i mean it will certainly hit the finances increase of already the cost. yeah increase the cost of producing the newspapers or magazines i mean and we already are a stressed industry mm. so i mean there's no relief for us and it should have been widely reported i think and despite it impacting the media industry news media industry particularly there's been little reportage and i agree with you that's odd yeah that's odd that's quite odd what is also odd is that news media organizations including business papers did not report on the finance ministry's sort of curbing the journalists from entering yeah we we were discussing this, especially mm. the pink papers as you said yeah. uh, ayush what did you think was overreported or underreported I think what was underreported was Kangana Ranaut's intimidation of this one journalist. Justin. Yeah. Justin, of, uh, yeah. Justin I Rao. thought you were yeah. about to say her statements were underreported and no, I would no. have literally jumped on yeah. you from across I, I the table. I could see I I saw you wimp <laughs> up like that. Yeah. But yeah, the way I saw that small video where yeah. she had an argument with a journalist yeah. and uh, the way she was trying to talk to him and not talk with him <laughs> was very upsetting and I hope uh, that I think they've uh, the entertainment journal- Unless in Bombay, I've heard that they're trying to boycott her or something like that. They have held a meeting works. with the producer as well, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, the producer actually is. issued a statement apologizing, but surprisingly, did not name Kangana. She is the star of the film, but well. uh, so so Justin is one of he's one of the really well-known reporters in the Bombay entertainment circuit. You know, and entertainment is a big beat in Bombay in general. If you see that video, he's always talking very politely. He doesn't back down, but he's just talking politely. Yeah. And then she goes off into a tangent of telling him that you are writing about me like uh-huh. that, and she's drawing all those parallels, which is 
it's a little unfair but and, and she says that uh, you know we had lunch you was for 3 hours in my van you texted you me you texted and me and he said i didn't text he's you he's like you, sh- you show the screenshot yeah. where i texted you <laughs> then i believe you so i think the no, entertainment good. journalists are in a similar face off with this over there you know hmm. uh, yeah okay anything else you want to add gorov maybe something that was a little underreported was the bombay high court slamming the cert- film certification board cbfc and uh, there was a children's film called chidiya khana which is about the story of a young boy from bihar Mm-hmm. and uh, the bombay and in january the certification board gave them a ua rating and mm-hmm. it's a children's film that's meant to be shown in schools why did they give them a ua because rating because there's one abuse in it and there's one scene in it are you serious so the bombay high court tells these guys t- tells the certification board in court that please remember you're not a censor board you're a certification board and it went on to tell them that are you guys ostriches that you will put your head into the ground and pretend like things are not happening around you and it finally ended with dharmadhikari telling them that looks like we will have to redefine your role in the indian space you know because hmm. it seems like you cannot decide what people will watch or what they want to watch it's completely hmm. unfair good one I thought you will talk about cricket, but now that you didn't want no, to bring that, that up, no, but that we unanimously we... talk about, na guys. Yeah, what? We'll... So did the you watch the match? How did was it underreported or overreported? You were watching the match and you were missing out on Nirmala Sitaraman's first speech, yeah, budget so, speech. So, so you know, if 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 that's what you're gonna hold me guilty for, then the the hundred crore people in this country are guilty for that because outside this chota circle, yahan pe na niche log ko budget budget ka nahi mangta. Sabko cricket mangta hai. So. name mangta hai i didn't me. want to watch cricket but twitter wouldn't rest in peace to be honest i didn't want to watch cricket after a point either yes, <laughs> especially after those three <laughs> wickets fell but uh, it's your country it's your fever you know you have okay. to your mom was uh, really upset at your reactions now she was upset she was tip- being a typical mom <laughs> when she saw wow, me just losing it wow i like it. how you straight jacket what roles mom play what no Bari. she was caring so moms aren't caring <laughs> Are you saying moms Your aren't caring? Your tone of typical moms didn't actually say caring. No, he's been out of touch for this for three weeks. The now, listeners so just know like... what I mean. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? So, Sumesh, what did you think of the match? I was really disappointed, to be honest. I mean, there was hope. I mean, I was really hopeful that we would make it when Jadeja was in hmm. and he was hitting those boundaries. But I think, yeah, it was just. Uh, bad day i think yeah bad day for us so first of all i think we got totally outclassed by new zealand yeah, yeah. to be and uh, it also goes to show that we were supremely overconfident because on the first mm. day we we got them all out for 240 and people were like chal hum log ke top 3 batsmen hi 240 bana lenge there's nothing big on it come the next match day that f- as soon as it was 5 for 3 the entire scenario just like changed yeah. and we were just like okay you know maybe maybe sajadeja will make and like there were a lot of people saying okay you know what this is dhoni's time to shine and he should yeah. he should do this for india and then he should go on to retire and he'll be remembered like this like this none of that really happened cuz i just purely think that it was overconfidence there was yeah, yeah. nothing else except for overconfidence cuz you've outdone yourselves versus bangladesh and the smaller teams when it comes to england and new zealand you've totally got caught on the back foot and the thing is there's a overconfidence among viewers as well first of all that they they saw ki new zealand was struggling against our bowling mm-hmm. and then they thought ha isi pitch pe hamara ball swing hoga unka ball swing to hoga nahi hum log to 800 bana lenge ab hum log to sab century marenge udhar se nikal ke so we were also weren't expecting that out of simple you know sort of devotion to the game but disappointment was it seemed like even they weren't mm. you know uh, realizing the small fact and the way they played you know getting the fbw getting making it to the wicket keepers they played it really and that one uh, guptil catch that he took yeah. when he was diving that was completely unexpected yeah, yeah, totally yeah, made up it. for his one run of 15 balls <laughs> but i look super confused. i think going in the fi- going in the finals i'll cheer for new zealand for sure what do you guys yeah, think yeah yeah of course i i want england or new zealand to win because I mean, they've I never won so actually want literally england. dancing talking about that i yeah, actually want england to win yeah, yeah. i don't want australia to win yaar i think yeah, my okay. dad would agree with you gorav when you say that india was super confident when india was playing bangladesh my dad was like if they don't lose today they will lose it in the semis i was just like okay papa we'll come back to this conversation but why do you guys think cricket is such a big deal excuse me hello have you seen lagan all of you are excused <laughs> <laughs> have you seen lagan 
वो तीन गुना लगान माफ हुआ था नो बट देनियल कलोनियल सिम्बलिज्म इमेजिन यू बीटिंग द पीपल और प्लेइंग और बींग द बेस्ट एट अ गेम दैट वॉज वॉन्स एसोसिएटेड विद योर कॉलोनाइजर दैट हैज हिस्टोरिकल सिग्निफिकेंस एंड इन अ कंट्री दैट इज एज फ्रस्ट्रेटेड एंड यू नो oppressed people find liberation in small ways it's a small joy to watch cricket and uh, yeah, line f- forget everything yeah yeah wala line practice kar ke mere novel mere novel ke title actually tum logo pehle bata raha hu gorav so i think first of all sport in general connects people across different places mm. but uh, cricket is something that you will never be able to erase from uh, the indian subcontinent that's just going to always be there and uh, i'd rather have it be like that cherry you should start watching some cricket and what are you talking about something at least the world cup you know not like ipl or like domestic matches or like no one's Sorry. asking you to watch ranji or something like that i would rather pick up a jane austen but sumesh oh do you want God. to oh my god i hope jane austen doesn't pick you up anyway just a dismal thing to say that's such a sad thing to say but so much i mean i follow cricket very yeah i follow cricket very religiously because i have grown up playing that sport so i mean that's a special connect i how many window panes did you break i kuch bhi nahi bas i've like fought so much with them with my uh, apartment uh, yeah. uncles <laughs> and aunties yeah. all that so i mean I, that's why that's a one reason why i follow this sport i think pitu should become national sport what what should pitu pitu what's that what's you pitu? don't know what is pitu is it lagori mm-hmm. is it seven stones seven stones seven right stones. Yeah, yeah. seven stones okay. i mean i used to use cricket as an excuse to break window panes because hum pitu khel rahe honge ball ja ke khidki mein lagegi we'll just be like ye cricket khel rahe the i thought it was called lagori first of all the isn't am i acha okay that's one reason why it shouldn't be a national game <laughs> no one knows about gary stoll you're talking about <laughs> also can you think of like pitu premier league or something it just doesn't sound yes, right yes it will be fun see this is our time to i roll yeah korof do you want to share your recommendations yeah i came across a very cute feature article called the world's fastest man it's about this guy called charles ali it's a new york times article and uh, he runs a 400 meters in about 53 seconds He's seventy-one years old, guys. It's a it's a it's a really really nice read by the New York Times. Okay. Okay. And since you're talking about the PIB accreditation, the Krishna Kaushik's article in the July eleventh edition of the Indian Express on what uh, PIB accreditation does for journalists. That is one. Second, when I was traveling in Bihar and Jharkhand, I read Salman Rushdie's book, The Jaguar Smile. It's the only non-fiction he's ever written on post-revolutionary Nicaragua. and it's a brilliantly written book it's journalism by a novelist so that's what makes it fascinating so yeah so uh, salman rushdi is okay but jane austen is not okay got it somesh i would really want uh, our listeners to see spiderman away from home although i'm yet to see it and then how is that your recommendation i mean i mean it's i would been touted uh, as one yeah, of the best spiderman yeah, films so right now. i mean i it's a recommendation for myself and for the for the <laughs> listeners <laughs> so i really want uh, all our listeners to go ahead cool. like okay. me and see it So there has been a lot of developments happening when it comes to migrations and refugees in the US and across the world. A lot of people have been displaced and NPR has a series of podcasts uh, covering the different developments and incidences and lives of these refugees from the camps. So my recommendation is check out these podcasts and listen to them. But this conversation will end here because this is the end of the podcast. And listeners if you'd like listening to our podcast on Spotify, Stitcher or iTunes, don't forget to log on to our website www.newslaundry.com to check out the other cool stuff that we do. And also please do share about the podcast on social media platforms because if you like our work, we'd like more people to hear. And if you have any feedback for us, you can uh, write to us at uh, contact@newslaundry.com or you can write to me at cherry@newslaundry.com. or you can tweet out to any of us or dm us on instagram except maybe ayush <laughs> having said that we spoke about how the media is struggling and for media to continue to bring out reports like the reports that ayush did like the reports that somesh did and the reports that gorav will be doing and has been doing we'd love your support please go on to newslaundry.com and consider subscribing happy subscribing all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.